Welcome to Footy Time. My name is Johnny Raff, and it's great to be with you all. Round two is in the books of the 2023 AFL season, and we are going to get into a very quick segment today called Blinders and Shockers. We've done this a couple of times before, but we're going to do a real quick run through for the round, which was round two. Blinder. The Clarko era has begun. One of North's best wins in a very long time. I, I don't know what it is about Clarko, but he gets buy-in from his players. Luke Davis-Uniak was everywhere with 30 disposals, 17 contested. Harry Sheasel is a bona fide jet, I'm happy to say it after two games. That toe poke on the goal line to save the day was amazing composure for a second gamer. And he also had 30 touches of his own. It's great to see this from North. Clarko has come with a plan and it'll take a long time to get that plan up and running fully, but he's most likely broken this up into signposts of what he wants to achieve by certain timeframes. This group is certainly bought in, and they've got a great chance to go 3-0 next week against Hawthorne and Launceston. Great job, Kangas. Shocker. Melbourne's contested game. It's been a long time since the Demons were belted around the contest and the clearances in a game, but what we saw on Friday night was well below what we've come to expect. Losing the centre clearances 20-10 and 40-22 at stoppage. That's a plus 28 differential for the Lions, who were excellent in this area, with Josh Dunkley and Will Ashcroft showing just what they can do to help Lockie Neal out. But those are numbers that you just don't see from Melbourne. They weren't clean, they looked to revert back to old habits. They did lose their heroic leader, Maxi Gorn, five minutes into the game uh, when he twinged his knee in a collision with teammate Jack Viney. This could have played a big part in those numbers falling and maybe having an emotional effect on the team, so maybe you can give him a slight pass there. I mean, you really do have to watch Max week in, week out to see exactly what his value is to the team. The contested marking, the aerobic fitness to drop back and intercept, the physical presence. He's so crucial to the structure and the D's have got some adjustments to make while he's out. Hopefully Brody Grundy can step up to the challenge as number one ruckman. But the bottom line is Melbourne must be a lot more competitive in the contested game than we saw on Friday night. Blinder. Tom Mitchell is loving life as a pie. Averaging 24 disposals after the first two games and has already booted three goals for the year as well. He looks like a weight's been lifted off his shoulders, and I think the opportunity to work with Craig McRae and Brendan Bolton again has worked out really well. Uh, the Pies were emphatic in the way they dismantled Port on Saturday, and uh, Nick Dacos was at it again with 32 touches at 84% efficiency. Those who listen often know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Put someone on Dacos. <laughs> well, the power did that, uh, but it didn't work out. It didn't work out well at all. Uh, Lockie Jones was given the task, and he just didn't provide enough physicality to throw Dacos off his game. Uh, yeah, it was a role that he was probably not familiar with at all, uh, as a, a high half-board flanker, I guess. So the lesson here is that the guy is a bloody good player, and you need someone good tagging him. He's got a bit of the Heath Shaw about him, Nick, in that he's come into the league as a naturally ready-made player and he is just that he's just a, a good player despite future peaks and troughs that'll inevitably go through he will probably just always be a good player that's just the way it is shocker 
I heard a lot about how Gold Coast should be taking a lot out of this this honourable loss to Essendon yesterday. Commentators, writers, fans alike. I'm sorry, but I'm just not buying it. I've had enough of talking about the Suns like they're this upstart team that needs to push up against the resistance of life and grasp the medal and all that. I watched this game in full yesterday. It was a pretty good game, actually, and the Dons did really well to capitalise and run away with it. But this is precisely the kind of game that the Suns need to win to be a finals contender. On the deck of Marvel, a ground that they just haven't done well at in the past, this is the... This is it. These are the ones they've got to win. I heard the commentators saying how they were decent and had a crack but just couldn't get it done when it mattered. I'm sick of it. This isn't a club rebuilding like Hawthorne or North Melbourne for the last two or three years. I mean, if we're honest, this club has always been in rebuild. But watching yesterday, they had some really great moments, but it always looked like their goals were coming from just sheer hard work while it was obvious that Essendon were making it look easy at times. You could tell who the better team was. I loved Matty Rowe's game. He, he put the team on his back and was doing everything he could to try and wheel them across the line. It reminded me a lot of uh, like a Chris Judd or even a Brendan Goddard back in his St Kilda days. Uh, but in contrast, Jack Lacocious. I call him Gentleman Jack sometimes because for a while now, I've just wondered if he's willing to put his body on the line or do the hard running to help his team win a game like this. Yeah, it's stark contrast to Rail. I just feel it's performances like this that aren't helping the culture at the Gold Coast Suns. And it might be harsh, but he's a very talented guy, Jack, but they need him to step up. Blinder. The second chance coaches. You know, the Alistair Clarksons, the Ross Lyons, the Brad Scotts. I mean, even looking at someone like Michael Voss, who came back to the game last year. I'm really happy for these guys. I think it's a it's a great example of a, a coach just deserving a second chance and being you know showing exactly why they were a coach in the first place, I guess. And um, uh, look, you know, we all know about Alistair Clarkson and Ross Lyon. They've had some pretty you know varying degrees of success. But uh, I'm looking at Brad Scott in particular here. I, I've, I've always had this belief that if you've coached for a, you know several seasons in the AFL and it didn't quite work out you might have had some you know a, a glimpse of success but it, it also didn't you didn't win the ultimate prize and then you leave the game for a bit and I, I've always felt that there's a lot of coaches like that that deserved second chances and would have been infinitely better the next time round I think that Brad Scott has an excellent chance to be the classic example of this you know, his time at North, what was it, 10 seasons, uh, he made a couple of prelims. When the highs were high, he got praised, but when the chips were down, he also got scrutinised heavily. And there's been a lot of coaches like that in history. Uh, you know, I think of, I guess, you know, the Brett Rattons and even someone as far back as Chris Connolly when he was at the Dockers. Uh, I just feel that there's a lot of maybe what could have been stories for coaches who were in it for a bit and stepped away from the game and probably felt that they might have been a lot better the next time round. that they had had time to reflect on their experience and they thought about the things that they would do differently the next time round. Michael Voss is a classic example because he clearly wasn't ready for it when he started at Brisbane. He 
he did his best with what he had to draw on, but then eventually he did several years at Port as an apprenticeship. And I've got no doubt that Vossi is a lot better, a lot more rounded as a coach, I think now. I just think that Brad Scott has the perfect chance to show this. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do with the Bombers. Shocker. The Fremantle Dockers. I mean, where do you start? This was a magnificent win by North, and if there's any Dockers fans out there complaining about the decision or non-decision on the siren where it could have been deliberate, they've just got to get over it because that is not the reason why they lost this game. There were a ton of dicey free kicks during this game where Frio were gifted some pretty good goals, and I just think that if they were going to point to this one moment, then, yeah, you've got some bigger problems than just that. It's become apparent that maybe Justin Longmuir is playing a very dated style with the Dockers. And I'm always a little bit reluctant to (laughs) attack something that doesn't seem to be working at a certain time. Because last year I was very impressed. I thought this was a really well-drilled side, a great back six. They protected... uh, Defend first, score second, I guess you'd, you'd say. And they did that very well. And I don't like sort of backing away from a club's strengths uh, just because they might be going through a, a tough time. But they had to evolve. I mean, in this day and age, you've got to score more than than 50-odd points to win a game of footy. You've got to have enough firepower up front. And the Dockers just don't have it. I mean... It's so obvious that this method that they've uh, pursued is not how you take a club that was threatening to make top four last year to the next step. I mean, look at the players that went out the door. Rory Lobb, Blake Akers, Griffin Luke, uh, Darcy Tucker, Lloyd Meek. Yeah, the last two didn't play every game, but that's a few, that's a lot of talent going out the door in a, a team that's meant to be supposedly on the rise. A lot of those names I said were big parts of their success last year. And with the list profile at the stage that theirs is at, that many changes can upset them all. And it can take a bit of time to reset again. Yes, they brought in Jager O'Meara. Yes, they've got uh, some good talent in in the midfield as it is right now. But it can take a little time to gel again. And to then go out and throw the money bags out there to get Luke Jackson in, who at this stage, he is only high potential and doesn't address a direct need they weren't crying out for a ruckman and he doesn't fix their forward issues i just can't see how this can be seen right now as an organization making good and sensible decisions in line with their vision a vision of a club that has yet to win a flag mind you you know it's uh it's very strange i mean i saw them as a club last year that was sort of building what you could compared to maybe uh, the old Bloods culture, the new DH culture. And in one night, they've just uh, pivoted to the old, you know, buy a big mentality. <laughs> I, I just, you know, the shiny object syndrome. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure what to make of this because we know how easy their draw looked on paper at the start of the season. They need to bank these games. They have got a disastrous draw after after round five. So, yeah, look, it's just it's only been two games. 
You don't give up, but oh, they've got to change something. They've got to change fast. That's all we've got time for on Footy Time. Uh, nice, short, and sharp one this week. Uh, don't forget to leave a comment in the comments section or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got any feedback, don't hesitate to send us an email, footytimelive at gmail.com. Or if you've got any questions, just throw them in there. We'll catch you next week for more Footy Time. Round three coming up. Some pretty interesting games. Hopefully your team wins. Bye for now.